So God, we come to you um, as we are, uh, works in progress, trying to figure it out. Um, some of us saved by your grace, some of us curious about you, Jesus, some of us um, asking good questions, and all of us needing you deeply, whether we are big time aware of that, mildly aware of that, kind of aware of it, not really at all. Um, but Jesus, we just need you. So would you uh, be shown off here this morning, Holy Spirit, would you give us really the, the, in some sense, the miracle of being hungry for your word, um, to, to want to come beneath your word and see uh, what it is you have to offer. Um, sure, it's filled with good advice and um, how life can go better and all that, God, but more than that are included in that is just the authoritative word of God of which there is nothing else. So God, make us hungry for your word. Make us humble beneath your word. Shape us, form us by your word for our flourishing and for your name being glorified uh, in Whatcom County and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I went to the dentist recently and I wrote a review and uh, it was a glorious review. <laughs> so I walk into the dentist, and uh, I walk in, and I'm starting to get good vibes because the, the background music is as I would have it. And I walk in, take a couple, a couple steps further, and uh, just receive a warm welcome from the receptionist and offer me a, can I get you something to drink? There's indoor plants which I am a fan of. And uh, so I sit down and I'm enjoying just being there for a minute or two before the, there's a knock on the door and they come out into the, the lobby waiting area and lead me back and I uh, sit down in the dentist chair. I don't know if that's what they call it, but that's what I call it, the dentist chair. And, uh, and in one hand, I am handed sunglasses, which if you go to a dentist and they don't give you sunglasses, it's like I'm... I got, I got a lot of grace for a lot of things, but not that. So I, and I was checking out a new dentist, so they hand me sunglasses. I'm like, okay, check the box there. In the other hand, they hand me a remote. And then they hit a button, and I start reclining back. And as I'm reclining back, I see the ceiling, and on the ceiling is this beautiful flat-screen TV. And the dentist is like, watch whatever you want. I said, okay, so my mind goes straight to golf. So I, 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 I type in golf on the remote, and, and I'm sitting there in this wonderful uh, dental office and uh, watching 2019 Masters reruns of Tiger Woods, and I am in bliss. <laughs> but like most uh, middle-aged men, I hadn't been to the dentist. I don't know if I'm middle-aged yet, but maybe. Uh, tell me later. Um, <laughs> it's relative. Um, <laughs> like most... Men, maybe-ish. A lot of stereotypes happening. Okay. Um, hadn't been to the dentist in a while, right? So I'm going in, checking out a new dentist, and I'm going in for a, a general screening, a checkup, a open your mouth, see what's what, that sort of thing, whatever they call that. I'm going in for that, and it been two, three, four, something like that, years. Uh, it's okay to not be okay. Some of you are wearing that sweatshirt. Wonderful. Um, so I go in for this general screening. And, uh, and fortunately, the, the dentist says, hey, I, I, I think stuff's looking pretty good in there, actually. 
Um, you got a floss like we all do, but stuff's looking pretty good. And, uh, and he said, just come back. Let's, let's schedule a, a filling or so in a couple weeks, and we'll go from there. This morning uh, is going to be a, a bit of a general screening for us. For all of us here, myself included, this morning, there are at least three possible results uh, of that general screening. For some of us, this, this, this text that we're going to be in this morning in the Bible is going to be affirmation. It's going to be like, man, keep doing what you're doing. You're even flossing. Just keep, keep flossing. Keep doing what you're doing. This general screening. For some of us, it's going to be like, hey, we might need some tweaks, it's like, man, nothing big, but, but pay attention to this. Like for me, going to the dentist, it was like, hey, nothing big, but come back in a couple of weeks because you got this filling, and if we don't take care of it, uh, then it could cause some decay in the rest of your mouth, and that's not going to be good. So for some of us, it's just going to be, hey, pay attention to this, a tweak here, a tweak there. And for some of us, uh, the screening is going to come back like, man, we got we to gotta schedule surgery. <laughs> There's some, some deep, pervasive, prevalent stuff that, that we got to schedule surgery and we got to get it on the calendar quickly. Um, the flow of uh, today's sermon is going to be this. Number one, lurking beneath the surface. Number two, bird watching. And number three, a rare drug. Lurking beneath the surface, bird watching, and a rare drug. So you might be wondering... Right now, like, okay, what, what the heck are we going to talk about this morning? We're talking about money. Money and stuff. Money and stuff and, and sometimes what can happen inside of us when it comes to money and stuff, listen to this, regardless of how much money and stuff you might have, regardless of how much money and stuff you might have. My prayer throughout the week and again for each of us this morning is, is that we would feel appropriate affirmation and celebrate the things where this general screening, the text that we're about to hop into, where this general screening reveals health, that we would start with what's right and that we would affirm and celebrate and see evidence of God's grace in our lives where that is true and to not move too quickly past that. And at the same time, a uh, uh, Part of my prayer is that, that we, would, we, would, we would feel appropriate conviction where the Lord might be convicting us out of his tender kindness to us. To help us flourish and, and repent and turn once again to Jesus and by his grace change. Whether you're here and you're a Christian or a non-Christian, money and stuff is like nuclear power. With it, you can light up a city or you can destroy it. And it's into that reality that our Lord speaks. So, let's listen. I believe it's page 871 in the Bible in front of you. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. And if you're able and willing, would you stand for the reading of God's word? <clears throat> Can someone confirm that it's page 871? Yes, thank you. Luke chapter 12, starting in verse 13. <clears throat> someone in the crowd said to him, said to Jesus, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, talking about Jesus, but he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard 
against all covetousness. Someone say covetousness. That's a big one. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I'll do this. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Feel free to grab a seat. Verses 13 and 14, we set the scene, and and apparently there's this crowd. We see that in verse 13, and and, and someone pipes up. Some guy pipes up in the crowd, and Jesus is is one of the people in the crowd, and he says, hey, Jesus, make sure you tell my brother to, to, to split the inheritance with me. And Jesus responds, and he says in verse 15, he says, take care. And be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possession. In some sense, Jesus has, has in a split second, done a bit of a general screening on this man. And the result has come back as, man, he seems a bit greedy. At least potentially so. Greedy, covetousness, wanting something. Sometimes covetousness can even be wanting something that is a good gift from God, just wanting that something too much. Robert Stein says this, says, greed is an insatiable desire and lust for more and more. It's all-consuming so that all of life becomes focused on the accumulation of stuff. There's no room for anything else, not even God, wanting something too much or wanting something that you shouldn't want. And Jesus says, as this guy kind of pipes up in the crowd, tell my brother to to split the inheritance with me, Jesus says, take care. This means pay attention to that. Be on your guard against all covetousness. Jesus is saying, make an effort to abstain. He's not saying make an effort to abstain from money. He's saying make an effort to abstain from wanting money too much. Abstain from that. Abstain from covetousness. Jesus is saying this, play defense. (laughs) Why? Why is Jesus saying play defense? He goes on and answers it. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of of his possessions. And I, I stopped and was thinking earlier this week as I was preparing for this. Why does Jesus say one's life does not consist in the abundance of their possessions? It's because sometimes people like you and me feel or believe or function in such a way that my life consists in the abundance of my possessions. Amen. So Jesus tells a story. Verse 16. The story of the rich fool it says, and he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, man, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store my crops? He's accumulating more stuff, more crops. 
accumulated more wealth in some sense. And in verse 18, and he said, man, I'll do this. He comes up with this idea. I will tear down my barns. He had some barns and build larger ones. Replace what I had with something bigger and better. And there, there in those barns, I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods. Like you're set. You got enough now. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. My high school baseball coach was also my PE teacher, um, and uh, on Monday mornings, uh, we would go through this, this competitive team workout in the weight room called Blood and Guts, and for some reason, we all really liked it. It's called Blood and Guts, right, and the idea is that you, you, you go through this program, and, then, and you get bigger, faster, and stronger, but it's going to cost you blood and guts. You got to spill your blood and guts in order to get bigger, faster, and stronger. Some of us in this general screening this morning might reveal that we have potential tendency to spill blood and guts for bigger barns. That man, I will go to whatever degree, spilling blood and guts in order to have a bigger barn. <clears throat> Do you know how I knew I needed a filling? I went to the dentist, and he said, you need a filling. <laughs> now, uh, how, how arrogant would it have been to be like, hey, thanks, doc, uh, and then not do anything about that. Not come back and schedule a filling and get a filling. If this applies to you and to whatever degree, maybe this is more appropriate, I know for me at least, to whatever degree this applies to you, let it apply to you. <clears throat> Jesus says that this man's strategy, man, bigger barns, more stuff, hopefully ended up satisfied. Jesus says this word in verse 20, he says, man, it is foolish. Someone say foolish. Foolish. This means ignorant or senseless. And, and as I say these things, know that this isn't the guy who's got it figured out and you are the people who don't have it figured out. This is a thing for me too. <laughs> so as Jesus says, foolish, ignorant, senseless. It can be translated crazed or straight up silly. Not comedic silliness, like illogical silliness. Bigger barns. I just want bigger barns. More stuff. It can be translated as frantic. Picture someone running around the globe trying to get as much stuff to die. And Jesus says, it's foolish. Whether now or later or both, it's not going to work out well. This is a, a cautionary tale. And Jesus speaks in, slices into this moment with this guy saying, hey, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. Make sure that happens. Jesus speaks in and, and, and says this, take care. Be on guard against all covetousness. He's saying play defense against covetousness. Now, I'm reading this book right now. You can't read it. I mean, you probably can read it. You can't see it from where you're sitting maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, ten, ten financial strategies for the smart investor. How to avoid common mistakes and build lasting wealth. I'm on chapter six. Embrace life insurance and annuities. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, Kira. You can all talk to Kira afterward. No, I just... <laughs> 
That was great. Um, now, I say that um, in that my hope in reading a book like this, whether great or not, or has some stuff, most but eat the meat, spit the bone, is to take this with a, with a desire to steward what the Lord brings to our family and to steward it well to his glory, whatever that might look like, and to submit this book to this book. And where it doesn't square, then I'll chuck it. And where it does, then that's helpful. Where it can be applied. You see what I'm saying here? I don't, like as, I say that because let's not get, I, I had like two pages worth of notes on poverty theology stuff. And then I chucked it and I, said, I just decided to say this. Let, when Jesus says play defense against all covetousness. In this sense, it's talking about money and stuff. As this guy's asking for the, the, his inheritance, um, I don't. I'm not convinced biblically that the the way to play defense against covetousness is to be frivolous with your financial future. Proverbs 32, 13, 22 says, "A righteous person leaves an inheritance to their children's children." <laughs> You're probably not going like that, hoping for the best, and that just happens. So there's some nuancing that's got to happen with this. And at the same time, let's take heed and listen to what Charles Spurgeon is about to tell us. He says this. He says, oh, souls, souls, souls. He says, beware. Similar language to what Jesus says, take care, be on guard. Spurgeon says, beware, 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 most of all of greed. It is not money, nor the lack of money, but the love of money which is the root of all evil. It's not getting it. It's not even keeping it. It is loving it. It is making it your God. It is looking at that as the main chance and not considering the cause of Christ, nor the truth of Christ, nor the holy life of Christ, but being ready to sacrifice everything for gain's sake. Ask myself, or we could ask ourselves, man, is, is covetousness really a big deal? Is it a big deal inside of me? Is it a big deal in our society? Is it a big deal inside of you? To what degree is it a deal inside of you, if at all? Spurgeon shares another story, and he says this. He says, I asked a question some years ago of a person whom I believe to be one of the most covetous individuals in my acquaintance, and I received from him a singular reply. I said, how was it that St. Francis de Sales, who was an eminent confessor, to whom persons went in the Romish church to confess their sins, found that persons confessed to him in private all sorts of horrible sins, such as adultery, drunkenness, and murder, but never once had one person confessed the sin of covetousness. I asked this friend whether he could tell me why it was, and he gave me this answer, which certainly did take me rather aback. He said, I suppose it's because the sin is so extremely rare. Blind soul. I told him that on the other hand. I feared the sin was so very common that people did not know when they were covetous and that the man who was most covetous of all was the last person to suspect himself of it. I feel persuaded that it is so. Covetousness breeds an insensibility in the heart, a mortification in the conscience, a blindness in the mind. It is as hard to convict a man of it as make a deaf ear hear of its own deficiencies. 
Jesus says, play defense against all covetousness. Let me give you just two practical ways to play defense against covetousness. Number one, get alone with God. (laughs) Bible open in prayer. Get alone with God. And maybe just be quiet. (laughs) Number two, get together in community. People who love you, love the Lord. We, We want everyone in this church to have their people. With some of your people, get together and, and, and ask good diagnostic questions and then listen well to people who love you and love the Lord to their feedback. Ask stuff like, like man, what, like, let's talk about money and stuff and covetousness and greed and, ge- greed and generosity and, and stewardship and all sorts of stuff like that. And, then, and listen and receive. Those are two practical ways to play defense against covetousness. Get alone with God, get together in community. So covetousness... Um, It can be lurking beneath the surface. So what do we do with this? Jesus says, go bird watching. Verse 22. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Verse 24, consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than they, the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? I'm a regular at Avenue Bread. Um, and I've seen this, this scene play out at least 12 times. Uh, I'm sitting there near the window looking out on the street, and there's a, a sidewalk on either side of the street. And a man walks by. He's probably in his 60s or so. Um, and with him is a dog, a black lab. And they get to uh, the, the edge of a street, kind of the edge of a crosswalk, and, and they both stop. They both pause for a little bit. And the man raises his right hand slowly. And the dog then looks both ways. And slowly they cross. The dog leading the man to safety. They get to the other side of the crosswalk. And the man reaches into his pocket, pulls out a treat, bends down, gives it to the dog and pats him on the head. And they continue walking. And as this happens, I'm, 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 again, I've seen it at least a dozen times. I'm captivated. I stop everything and just watch. Amazed, no doubt, by, 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 by the, the companionship that is happening here. Um, and oftentimes, honestly, just praying for safety for this guy who is presumably blind. 
And, and I just imagine the trust that this man has in this dog. How much more people like you and I who sometimes get a little greedy, sometimes want money and stuff too much, to trust the tender, caring, kind words of the best financial advisor ever, King Jesus, to help us navigate through the uncharted territory of our hearts. That sometimes, not all the time, sometimes seasons of, 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 of wonderful just stewardship, but sometimes can be too into money and stuff. How much more can we trust Jesus? As Jesus turns to his disciples in the midst of this context, and the guy just 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 shouted, "Hey, man, make sure make sure uh, my brother my brother gives me half of the inheritance." Um, Jesus tells the story about the the uh, the parable of the rich fool, and then goes in and and turns to his disciples and tells them, "Man, look at the birds, look at the flowers, consider them." I I, I just want to pose these questions to us. What do you think Jesus's tone is? What do you think his tone is? What do you, what do you think the, the inflection in his voice is? The climate of his heart. Is he annoyed? Disgusted? Wearied? My gosh, we got to talk about this again. Tired of their lack of faith? Jesus says things in verse 22 like this. He says, don't be anxious. Now, I know that applies to nobody in here. But not as a hand slap against all of our anxieties, but as an invitation from this tender, caring Jesus who says, man, cast all your anxieties on me because I care for you. He said, all that stuff that you're anxious about, give it to me. I'll take it. Bring it to me. Verse 24, Jesus says, consider the ravens. Go bird watching. What is Jesus, what do you think he wants his, his disciples to feel, to think, to believe? As he says, man, look at those birds. I take care of them. And you matter so much more. Verse 28 but if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and is tomorrow thrown in the oven, how much more is he going to clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? Is Jesus mocking those of us with little faith? Belittling us? Like, man, why can't you just figure it out and trust in me? We've, we've been down this road before. Does he want our faith to increase? Yeah, for our own flourishing. But his tone here is one of care and tenderness and guidance. And get this, sometimes we're tempted by money and stuff or wanting that too much. Jesus gets that. Hebrew says he's been tempted in every way, which means including this way, and yet was without sin and is without sin. He gets it. He wants our faith to increase, no doubt, for our flourishing. And, and guess what, guys? As our faith increases, what we get out of the deal, the dividends we get back are this, ultimate status, adopted sons and daughters, ultimate security, no tanking of anything, ultimate satisfaction for eternity in him.
in him. That's what we get. <clears throat> and that's where this text goes. Verse 29 and following, Jesus says, And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, verse 31, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. You hear his language there? Good shepherd. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Randy Alcorn says this, you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's what this text is saying. The rare drug that counteracts covetousness is contentment. But listen to this. Not contentment in however much or little you have. Contentment in Jesus. Regardless of how, however much or little you have. I'll say that again. The rare drug that counteracts covetousness is contentment. Someone say contentment. Not in however much or little we have but contentment in him regardless of how much or little we have. And the more content in Jesus we are, the more we actually believe that, man, I can't take it with me, but I can send it on ahead. The more content I will be in him. And so we press forward in that. Instead of doing what, what, what this Rich fool says, and here I'll say to my soul, soul, you, you finally got enough money and stuff, you've got it made. Instead of, of, of saying that, we could be people who say something like this, soul, help me find my ultimate security and status and satisfaction in Jesus and be content in him, come whatever may. Best offense is a good defense. You heard that before? That's how the saying goes, and I think there's, there's a lot of good stuff and truth to it. And no doubt Jesus says in this text, in response to the guy early on, he says, man, take care. Pay attention, that means. That. Like, be, be on guard, he says, against all covetousness. He's saying play defense, but Jesus also says don't forget about offense. Your best offense to defend against covetousness is contempt. And, man, here, here's the thing. That is stellar advice. <laughs> stellar advice heed it heed it what's better than good advice is good news <laughs> and boy for, for, for people who are works in progress who are sometimes greedy who are hit or miss with generosity who sometimes can and as I say this boy some of this as I said my, my hope and prayer is that, that for for, for for some of us, 
and maybe even most of us, some of this general screening should be wildly affirming. (laughs) You're doing great. Wildly affirming. It's like going to the dentist and be like, man, everything's good. You're flossing even. Just keep doing it. Build off that. Wildly affirming where it ought to be. And then conviction where the Spirit might bring that. Good advice for people who sometimes can conveniently deflect this. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. As I was prepping this week, I thought of this verse. It says this. We'll put this on the screen. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Not rich in terms of money and stuff. Rich toward God. And Jesus came to, 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 to live in such a way, ultimate Ultimately righteous, ultimately generous, ultimately the best stewardship of everything. And then attributes that righteous record to anyone who would trust in him. And then it is in that safety and time and the rest of life that we get to try to heed Jesus' advice to take care and be on guard against all covetousness. To play defense, but then at the end of this text to play off to long for, to pray for, to weep for, to ask community to help us be the type of people who find our contentment in him. Because, boy, that is setting ourselves up for success. Remember that blind man and his dog? I was doing sermon prep again this Wednesday morning, and sure enough, there he was. He walked by again, and... Um, was going his usual route, and then there was a UPS truck who was uh, parked actually doing a delivery, presumably, on the sidewalk. And the dog saw it, and then the dog is, is, is doing their normal route and walking toward uh, the UPS truck and the man right by his side, the man holding the dog's leash. And the man is, has no idea that the UPS truck is blocking the way right here. And so the, the, the dog goes up and, and starts to, I was like, what is going to happen here? And starts to slow the pace a little bit and pauses probably 10 feet or so from the UPS truck that's parked there and just waits for, I don't know, 20, 30 seconds. And then slowly just turns around and leads the man back a different route to safety, to flirting. How much more our Lord to trust with the stuff that can get us so much, can get me so much. How much more can we trust in him and try to find contentment in him? Boy, I need that. My hunch is, boy, we need that. Let's pray and ask God to help us with that. Amen. Jesus, We do, um, oh boy, but I I pray for so much affirmation. (laughs) It feels like we we need your Holy Spirit's help to nuance. (laughs) We don't need high IQs in this moment. We need your Holy Spirit um, to help affirm, Lord Jesus, where there is so much good. Where you, Jesus, have 
our hearts so much more than anything else. Lord, we need humility to, to receive whatever you have for us where our hearts may be too into money or stuff that money could get us. And God, I'm grateful that um, <laughs> no, uh, no sermon can, can fix, uh, no sor- sermon in and of itself can, in some sense, uh, do what we need. But Holy Spirit, you can, and you work through things. And we ask that even right now, Holy Spirit, that you would minister to us. That, that, that oh, the, your word says that the enemy is the father of lies. Would you keep him far from us right now? He, he, he is greedy right now to deposit lies into our heads and into our hearts. Help us diagnose what those lies from the enemy are. Um, but help us not deflect conviction that may be of you, Lord. And with all this, man, I'm just grateful for the gospel, that that we are works in progress. And that is a wonderful thing, God. And you know that. You know our frame. And more than anything, we are just grateful for the gospel, God, and the regularity, again, of Sundays. Just remind us that we just need you, Jesus. Again and again and again and again. So, Holy Spirit, do... Do what you will. Have your way amongst us as a church. Have your way in our hearts individually. Remind us afresh of our need for the gospel. Remind us afresh of the gospel. Remind us afresh of of how we can respond to your gospel. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. Help us live from that place of your secure grace toward us, God, through the finished work of Jesus. For those who know him in here, will we trust him more? For those who do not know Jesus yet in here, may they trust you, Jesus, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.